Back, Best Sense Empire, episode four. I actually made this one first. I had one big long podcast that I cut up into four, five, and six. And then I had notes for one, two, and three, but I wasn't sure I'd ever get back and uh, make those. Anyway, what I really want to do is, um, you know, get back to making small experimental podcasts someday. It has been five years since we first felt the force, and it's stronger than ever. There is only one way to celebrate the fifth anniversary of Star Wars. See it again. Join Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, C-3PO and R2-D2. Come on, R2, we're going. Join in the celebration this summer when Star Wars returns to a galaxy near you. Star Wars starts August 13th for three weeks only. The Force will be with you always. I watched something this week. It was a fan edit. I haven't watched a fan edit in like 10 years, but I was on Twitter. I think it was at at chat who had posted the last scene, which intrigued me. Anyway, it's called um, Rise of Skywalker Ascendant edit by uh, Hal 9000. Uh, I think with some help uh, from some other fan editors who did uh, sections. But it did some interesting things. Uh, so I, I, I fired it up. Uh, there's a new crawl, which is neither here nor there. Um, but uh, first difference, uh, when they pan down to Mustafar, there is sort of a, a wide shot of the burned forest with TIE fighters flying across it before you cut to Kylo in close-up in combat. Um, and there are a couple instances like this where they, they have concocted entirely new shots that are pretty good. Like back in the day, I remember fan edits largely being addition by subtraction and maybe reincorporating deleted scenes. But this is kind of a, a whole new frontier. But Kylo proceeds to Exegol uh, to find the revived emperor. And uh, instead of a tank of Snokes, it's a... a pasted in little sheave faces i guess sort of just to answer the question of what we're dealing with here and in, in this case the answer is well it's clones i don't know if i like that but it was it was kind of amusing and then he, they use the portions of uh ian's performance where it's unlit in between um lightning strikes to drop in the 
dialogue from later in the film about uh, kill me and I will pass into you. I guess as a way of lampshading why Kylo doesn't attack him in that instance. Or rather, shouldn't attack him. Again, I don't know if it works, and I, I missed it later in the film. But w- what's really good about the first act here is, so they go straight from Kylo and uh, Palpatine to Ray training on Agent Kloss and the, the scene with Leia, uh, which just felt a little more relaxed than jumping into the um, the Bulio mission and the light speed skipping. And one of the ways that they kind of uh, pad out the first uh, act here is that they give Ray and Kylo their own visions. It's not a shared thing. And uh, they do a good job with Ray's using some behind the scenes footage from, I think, the Skywalker saga doc, especially of her uh, on the throne. And it incorporates pretty well. So then you transition to the Finpo mission to Bulio without the hollow chest scene, but put a pin in that. And then they eliminate the light speed skipping on the other end. They do kind of a clever thing where when they jump through the ice, um, they animate new ties there that sort of trail off in either direction. Now, as a result, it was unclear to me if then I was supposed to attribute the damage uh, to the Falcon when it lands to going through that ice wall. And then they have to do some weird cutting around the dialogue between Poe and Ray to get around the dialogue about you can't light speed skip the falcon and whatnot uh but i did like the changes to the pacing quite a bit and then kylo has his own vision which is also sort of um filled out a bit with some bts stuff or uh, other chosen footage and uh sort of weaves in the the you're a monster in a mask yes i am dialogue from earlier films which kind of gives this transition to him getting his helmet uh, repaired. I still don't know if the motivation is quite clear, but it, it's kind of a clever lead into him getting his helmet repaired. And then an excellent choice is that there's no somehow Palpatine returned line. You see them in wide shot uh, at the base and they're listening to the Fortnite message, which then basically speaks for itself. And then it proceeds um, as we know it from there. And there's a bunch of stuff that I, I, I guess I would say I disagree with. Um, the the dagger they find like kind of Sith whispers to Ray audibly, well we hear it or she's hearing it. Um, and so there's no like Goonies Horizon map lineup when they get to Kefbir. Um, I think it, the implication is that it's just sort of leading her in the right direction. I I kind of like the Horizon lineup. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's very silly and kind of a point of contention, but um. It is what it is, and I can kind of get down with it. Um, oh, they changed the voice of Lando's driver, maybe to make it less Muppetish, but that's like that's what's so great about it. And um, oh, and the, and the Knights of Ren get dialogue, and the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, it's so hard to drop new dialogue into these films and make it sound like it um, belongs there or always was there. And I don't know if I'm giving it a fair shake because I know that it wasn't there. But I, I just, I, I actually preferred them mute to how it was executed. As much as I wish that the Knights of Ren talked in the actual film. There's some really good stuff. Um, instead of Kylo saying, I never lied to you, Ray. Uh, smartly, they put in, you were right. Because whoever was putting this together 
understood that it was Ray who said that her parents were nobody. Again, the new voice doesn't quite match, but I applaud the idea so much I'm willing to let that one go. And one thing I loved was um, before Ray fixes Dio's squeaky wheel, they extend the scene using um, stuff from the Skywalker Saga doc where she's just sitting and he's squeakily just going back and forth and back and forth. And, back. And, she's, and eventually she's like, okay, and um, goes and gets some oil. I thought it cut in really well. and It was just a nice bit of business. And then there's some changes where I'm just like, why? Um, when Poe gets shot on the Star Destroyer incursion, they took out the shot of uh, Finn yelling Poe. And then after uh, Ray and Kylo's wet duel, um, they reorder, I did want to take your hand, Ben's hand, uh, so that it comes before her healing him. Um, I don't know why. But also, I just, I love that scene in the actual film, so I'm probably not going to be that receptive to tinkering. Leia's got a pink saber. It kind of rules. They did pretty good work um, changing the color and the, and the, the lighting um, to match when they can. There's no Kajimi destruction. I'm not sure what the rationale there is. I kind of didn't even notice, which was odd. It's either a good sign for the edit or a bad sign for the scene itself. They try and tackle the how the hell did Ben get to Exegol question by um, uh, plopping in a, a Lambda shuttle uh, instead of the TIE fighter. And it's it's pretty well done. Still leads me to think, like, how how is that sitting there intact? But whatever. And then when the Citizens Fleet arrives, uh, they do a, a lot of voices. Um, try and give some personality to those arriving ships. And there's some, you know, for Luke business. Um, it's okay. It can't quite make up for what that scene really needs, which is just a sense of the people and, and visuals of them um, actually in their cockpits. But it's good. But what I really liked uh, is at least once or twice, they were able to reincorporate uh, some of the longer fleet shots. Maybe it's from like a, um, a VFX demo or something of everything flying past the camera. And you get a really good look at some of the new ships that just go by too fast in the, in the theatrical cut. Okay, here's the one thing I'm really going to complain about. And I know a lot of people want this, but it does the force ghost assist thing where they show up like visually behind her when she's resisting Palpatine. I think Yoda's there, Anakin, Luke, old Ben Kenobi. And uh, to me, the visuals are dicey, but I also just don't get it. Like, what are they doing? Are they are they help helping her hold her arms in place? I just don't understand it. Okay, but back to the good stuff. There's two new shots in the celebration. One uh, on Naboo and one on Coruscant with um, uh, First Order Star Destroyers above uh, being destroyed. And they look really good. So bravo to whoever put that together. Okay, end scene. Uh, remember when I said that the hollow chest scene was not in the beginning? That's because it's here. So you see the Falcon um, sort of entering Tatooine and uh, cut to the hollow chest scene. Just the first part of it. They don't go into the whole um, kind of shaky, seemingly improv parts about how old he is and how long he's taking. But there's something comforting about the implication that they're also on the Falcon um, during this trip to Tatooine. And then Ray comes out, buries the sabers. Uh, old woman asks her, who she is, 
looks over and Force Ghost Ben is there. It looks mm, 6.9 out of 10, but it's like the thought is nice. I encourage you to check it out for yourself um, and see if it triggers those closure vibes. Results will probably vary, but it was interesting to see it play out. But my favorite thing here is that they managed to use uh, an alternate take from the Skywalker Saga doc of her her uh, delivering the Ray Skywalker line that's like a little less defiant and happy and more kind of emotional and reverent. Image quality, I totally bought it. And then she heads off to the right with BB-8. They don't stand in front of the sun. Instead, you see the Falcon um, fly through that last shot and head off to light speed. And uh, there's some alternate music used, and uh, the transition to the credits isn't great. But I like the spirit of it, and maybe prefer the visual to kind of the the static shot that we have. Anyway, uh, Rise of Skywalker, Ascendant, edited by Hal 9000 uh, and other editors. A mixed result that I cannot say I prefer to the theatrical release that we got, but just really interesting uh, examples of what could be done, especially in the first act and then the ending, with pretty much everything that was already on hand. Definitely the best fan edit I've seen since the Empire Strikes Back Ascendant edit uh, that was going around in 1982. This meeting is adjourned. Is adjourned means start or end? I, I can never tell. I think it means end. This court is adjourned. Yeah. This meeting is this is brought to session. Hi, Will. Hi. Are you in a different room this time? I am in a different room. That's neat. I The, the table in here is easier to have, have it be closer to my face. <laughs> it's good to have uh, rooms. Different rooms, different rooms that do different things. I got two of them. <laughs> it's New York City. Um, how are you? Good, good. I'm looking looking through my notes here. Here, yeah, here's one, what right? I, I will not ask you this because I don't know what I meant. Jar Jar TV series. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the answer would be yes. It would be yes, please. Yeah. Jar Jar TV series. You know, I know I um, missed opportunity with because they were so into, um, uh, you know, like practical effects and stuff in the sequel trilogy, never doing a practical Gungan suit or mm. like head. They should have done it. No, I, I think <laughs> you're you're wrong. You're wrong. Because you don't because... want to see uh, Gungans again or because you think intrinsically they have to be CG. They've been established as CG characters and and I you wouldn't be able to get the the expressiveness of remember when Jar Jar like does like this Warner Brothers cartoon dive into the sea on Naboo? Like yes, that can't be practical. 
That's true. That's true. But they use digital doubles for a lot of things and people. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Uh, who's going first? Me, you, I think four, you. I think I went first last time. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Or do you want to? I'm ready. You want a second to pick your, your one? Oh, yeah. Okay. Ready. We're golden. Here is your question on this Memorial Day. Um, uh, Will, have you read any of the Star Wars novels? And if so, which one was your favorite? Uh, I've read a ton of Star Wars novels, very few of which are in uh, current continuity. Yeah. Or is that, does it have to be current continuity? No, it can be all time. Um, I really liked the Lando trilogy mm. from the old EU. Mm -hmm. That's a popular Buff, one. Buffy Ra. Mm -hmm. Just going on weird adventures that like didn't seem to have much to do with Star Wars. I don't think the author like saw Star Wars. <laughs> It's just like, a, oh, it's a guy, gambler in space. Yeah, that's it's fine. Was Wufi Ra his droid? Yeah. Are there any, I didn't read the Lando uh, trilogy. Are there like any um, similarities between that droid and L3 from the movie? Well, well, uh, he does, you probably know this, in Solo, he basically Recaps. name checks yeah. every, every Lando trilogy title. And I liked I like that, but he does say at one point that he was on the Star Caves of Thumbaka, I think, with uh, L3 and not Buffy Ra. So he just sort of slides L3 into that position. I got it. Interesting. Yeah. Buffy Ra was not humanoid. It was like an octopus, kind of. And he was also a pacifist. That's so cool. Yeah. I, um, I should make the time i mean i like to do star wars books as audiobooks just while i'm commuting but they don't have a lot of audiobooks of those um now legends novels and the ones that yeah, are sure. a lot of them are um abridged yeah i mean you, a bridge is fine a you bridge is fine <laughs> you got I stuff want, to do want every detail yeah i uh not long ago the Jedi Search trilogy, the ones with the, uh, did you read those? Uh, Luke oh, finding Jedi after Return of the Jedi. And that's where um, uh, Kip Duran is one of his promising uh, students. And then there's this super weapon called the Sun Crusher and the ghost of some Sith, deceased Sith called Exar Kun. That sounds fun. What's the title? Uh, I wish I could remember. <laughs> Champions of the Force is like one of them, I think. I don't it remember. Kind of familiar. I don't think I read it, but maybe yeah. you told me about it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So those are your favorites, the Lando ones. Those are the. Those are just the first uh, that came to mind. I mean, you could also say the Thrawn trilogy because those are actually good. <laughs> right. But what, I, um, a, what a boring answer. That's like saying that Empire Strikes Back is your favorite Star Wars. Like, oh, my favorite Simpsons character is Homer. I think he's really <laughs> funny. I. The Thrawn trilogy I read, I mean, it's like 30 years ago now. I don't yeah. know what I would think of it now. I, I caught up with it at some point, but it's been a really long time. Um, and he's still writing Thrawn books that are like 
Thrawn prequels where Thrawn is kind of a good guy and I hate them, but I read every single one that comes out or listen to it at least. Weird. Yeah, yeah it doesn't sound that fun. Yeah. yeah. I think that I think that people just were like, okay, the only good thing in the <laughs> EU was Thrawn and you're just getting Thrawn all the time now. Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. Yeah, um, it seems no, like they're... No Mara Jade. You don't get Mara Jade, buddy. <laughs> you get Thrawn. You're going to like it. I, there's whispers on the wind that they're setting up kind of a um, heir to the Empire or Thrawn trilogy equivalent for the new canon in the TV shows that are coming out, sort of all weaving into each other and leading to this sort of uh, shared event. That would be great. I mean, it would be great because the, the one of the good things about the Th Thrawn trilogy is it, 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 you know, the Empire starts off in rough shape. Yeah. And throughout all three books... He gets the clones, mm -hmm. he gets the katana fleet, mm -hmm. and he gets Luke Skywalker. Yep. And so he just like puts together like the best way that like the Empire could possibly come back. Yeah. Instead of uh, Rides of Skywalker, where the Emperor's just like, yeah, I'm back <laughs> and I got a million Death Stars. And uh, well, I, yeah, fine. <laughs> uh did you read the tarkin the, the new canon tarkin i did novel? i did read the tark uh just so i could see sheev's name in print for the first time <laughs> that was the first time uh yeah. that one was pretty dry i like james lucena's stuff but that one was was kind of uh, a chore for me but still glad i read it i i mean i finished it that's more than i can say about a lot of books yeah in in general not just Star Wars. <laughs> fair enough um what, what's your question for me my question for you, this is less a question and more of just something that I don't like and I want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. In the, you know, pre-Disney pre yeah. Star Wars, no one can understand droids. Yes. And now I know Ray can, and it seems like everybody on Rebels can understand their chop chopper. Yeah. There are two. Yeah. And I don't like it. Yep. And I wonder if there was some thing that like somebody said once like, yeah, we should be able to just talk to the robots. Why, why do we need to just have them beep and people be like, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. I know. I never read anything about why that decision was made, but I can only imagine that. I mean, Ray understands everything. She understands the uh, Wookiee kind of, uh, straight out of the gate but aside from that I, I just I'm guessing it's for expediency so they don't have to rely on people looking at readouts or being like what did he say or or people translating for other people or and also uh, there's a lot of situations where there's only one droid around now right throughout the original yeah. trilogy you had R2 and C-3PO doing their routine and him sort of being the intermediary whereas now yeah. it's either it's just BB-8 or just Chopper so I, I guess that's that's part of it. I mean, R2 is just with Luke for all Empire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he gets basic ideas across. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think it's better. I think it's a more, I don't know, believable world where they do have these language problems. Yeah. And it makes it, it makes it like more interesting and in like how uh, computers were in the 70s and 80s, like they, they suck. And they're hard yeah. to use. Yeah, it's like a, a computer the size of a giant room that spits out like a sentence on on a piece of ticker tape. Yeah, equivalent. yeah. 
Um, there is the I, there is a droid in the the in uh, the sequels that I like. Which one? The one that's like sad, and he's like, "I'm sorry, but please don't hurt me." Dio from Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's him and Babu Frick are like the only good thing in the, in those sequels. Uh, yeah, I like Dio. He's sweet. Um, uh, but, I mean, he can talk. Like, why can't? Why didn't yes. they just make BB-8 talk? Like, if they're gonna. Do you know who did the voice of Dio? Is it like Bill Hader or something? Bill Hader did the vocalizations for BB-8, him and another oh, guy, I think. Okay. Um, Dio is J.J. Abrams himself. No! No! <laughs> and now, oh now when you listen to it, you won't not be able to hear that. <laughs> Very uh, kind. Well, I'll never watch it again, so I, I won't. I don't have to worry about oh, that. Oh, okay. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> sad, I'm sad I like something J.J. did. Uh, I shouldn't have told you. <laughs> Left it a mystery. Um, that's good talk. Yeah. Awesome. Short and sweet this time. Yeah. Big thanks to Will for being there for me again. Uh, Will's got quite a past. Um, back when they used to do the Fan Film Awards, the official Lucasfilm Fan, for, uh, fan Film Awards, uh, he entered in and won one year. I should, I should, I gotta break that up on one of the shows coming up and have him talk about it. A man of many talents. I'm putting this episode out a little late this week. I don't know. Family stuff came up. But uh, I, I'm really trying to get it out at least one day before the new Bad Batch comes out so I can talk about last week's Bad Batch. Bad Batch. Hunter. Bad Batch. Bad Batch. Bad Batch. Bad Batch. Bad Batch. I have so little to say about this episode other than it was really freaking good. I should be matter i feel like about them using the same like mandalorian video game format where they go somewhere and they need something and someone's like oh you just gotta do this favor for me first but it was cool to see zygarians again i'm a big fan of the zygarian arc in clone wars um are there any zygarians that aren't slavers i feel like zygarians are going to start taking issue with their depiction and rightfully so perhaps i the bad batch they were laid so low so quickly taken into custody the threat of eternal servitude and once again um omega's adventurous competence comes through lots of cute little touches the little high five between omega and wrecker when uh rhea perlman called her the brains of the outfit i love when wrecker and moochie were at the end of their fight just out of energy and then when they collapse on each other wrecker like Pat Smoochie in this gentle way. <laughs> like a heavyweight bout between two oversized toddlers. What's going on with Wrecker's head? Oh no, did that blow that he took in the last episode, is that going to make his chip malfunction? And then the directive might kick in and like the rest of them might have to fight him. That would be ugly. 
No, but that would be redundant because Crosshair is already dealing with that stuff. Forget that. Wrecker's just clearly suffering from migraines. And the next episode, uh, in order to get some Advil, they're going to have to do some dangerous favor for somebody. Anyway, I held off on pre-ordering any of the Bad Batch figures or buying them because I'm trying not to get anyone I don't care about. And I'm starting to care. And caring is expensive. today good how's the weather rainy we're stuck inside right mm-hmm. what's one of the things you do when you're stuck inside legos um <laughs> do you have any star wars legos yep which ones do you have darth vader's castle <gasps> that's a big one mm-hmm. how'd you get that one how'd you get your parents to buy you that one um i got it for christmas <laughs> and and it was on sale Yep. Yeah. Deep discount. What are some other ones? I know I, when I go in there, I see a bunch. Um, 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 let me think. What was that really cool show we watched where everyone looked like Legos? That was like the first Star Wars you guys ever experienced. The first one was... Well, I remember Star Wars Freemakers. Freemakers, right? Was that the first one? I think that's that's what I showed you guys first. Uh, the Freemakers, like... Uh, ship with like the blade in the front. Mm. I don't remember what it's called. It's the arrowhead. Flight of the arrowhead. Oh, yeah. And the Freemaker like ship that carried that other ship. Star Scavenger. Oh. That's what they start out in season one and they, they build <laughs> the arrowhead. And they also have like the Anakin thing. Anakin Lava fighting Obi-Wan thing. Oh, that's right. Where they move. You can move them around on their little platforms. Yeah, but we kind of destroyed it. It's a little bit destroyed. How do you decide what gets destroyed and what stays together? Well, the Lego sets that are pretty small, we break. But the Lego sets that are big and pretty cool, we uh, keep together. So Star Scavengers break her together. Yeah, we broke it but we put it back together. Oh, my God. That's right. During the pandemic, I, I searched... <laughs> Through all your Legos for the pieces. Yep. And it took a really long time, and I put it back together. <laughs> um, and we built a new floor on it. Remember when we kind of improved the design? What do you mean? It didn't used to have a floor in the cargo hold. It just had the um, the little forklift that sat there. Oh, yeah. But we gave it a floor when we rebuilt and, it. And now we made it like um, a ship where like it, it can drop off people. Or it can like carry an ad out into battle. Yeah, uh, we carried, like, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, chicken walker. That's thing. right, chicken walker. Uh, the red leg. Um, I know you have Anakin's Jedi Starfighter. Yep, two, two of them. Two of them. <laughs> I also put both of those back together over the course of the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, we broke them, then we put them back together. Uh, do you have an X-Wing? Like a kid's one, like a four-year-old one, right? Yeah. I can't find all the pieces for that one. Yeah, we have like three of the wings together, but one of those three wings is like half broken. Yeah, A-wing? Uh, A-wing, no. Think. Do. What's an A-wing again? Looks kind of like a sports car. Um, can you tell me? 
you have the episode nine A Wing, Rise of Skywalker. Oh yeah, I remember that now. And we also have the one where um. Driven yeah. by Snap Wexley. You know what's weird? What? In the movie, you see when before the end battle, you see Snap Wexley getting ready to get in that X wing. I'm oh, sorry to, to get into that A wing that you have the Lego of. Mm-hmm. But then when when they actually go into battle in the movie, Snap Wexley's flying an X wing. What's that all about? <laughs> I don't know. I think that was a mistake. And I also have a uh, Ray and Cut. Kylo Ren, like fighting on, on like that planet. That's right. But but then we like took it apart and then oh, like yeah. there's only one side left. But yeah. I don't know where it is. Yeah. And Ray and Kylo Ren are are taken apart too. I know I can't find her hair anymore. But I found Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Um. Yeah. That's that keeps turning up. Thankfully, if you could mm-hmm. like have any Star Wars Lego set, what's like your dream one? Mm, let me think. Well. The Millennium Falcon. Which one? The giant one? Like the $800 one? It's $750. Why does it cost so much? <laughs> and where would you keep it if we built it? Um, um, I know. That would be a keeper though, right? Not a, not a breaker. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's it would have the, the biggest... It would, do you know how many pieces it has? What? How many? 24,352. Did you make that up or is it no, real? No, I'm serious. I remember it. It's twenty four thousand. Uh, what about the Death Star? Death Star. Oh yeah, I also want that, but I don't remember how many pieces it is and how much money it is. It's. I think it's like three hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, but the, more than I will ever spend. The on a Lego. giant Millennium Falcon is the biggest Lego set, Star Wars Lego set in the world. Really? Mm-hmm. And the most expensive. Yeah. Um. How do you think you could earn eight hundred dollars, seven hundred fifty dollars to buy the giant Millennium Falcon? Um, what are some ways? Sell two mansions. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All we gotta do is get the mansions first, and then we're good to go. And then sell them. <laughs> we're taking and all of those weird old seventies comic books from Marvel. Classic Marvel Star Wars number four. We are so close. Well, okay, just a little more halfway than halfway through the uh, A New Hope adaptation, which ends with uh, number six. This is number four. Um, it's mostly them on the Death Star. There's a couple interesting things here. You know when they've uh, just left the trash compactor and Chewie's all scared and Han fires that blast back into the trash compactor, presumably toward the Dianoga? Uh, well, here the Dianoga is like kind of following them into the hallway. One of its tentacles, its gooey brown tentacles, is uh, chasing after them. And that's what Han blasts. And I wonder if that was in the script at one point. Maybe proved... Uh, unfeasible to shoot and so they came up with that little bit of business that cute business with Chewbacca cowering and shaking his head no but who knows I mean I guess I could do some research and find out one way or the other what's the fun in that when they're looking down at the Falcon from that window Han says you know kid getting back to the Falcon is going to be like flying through the five fire rings of Fornax oh man I missed like one of the most important parts 
when Leia kisses Luke for luck before they swing across the chasm, I mean, it's a kiss. Mouth to mouth, Luke's eyes are closed and his mouth is open. I think I posted a frame of this on my Lords of the Seth account. Obi-Wan and Vader have their duel, and Obi-Wan's got a good, a good line in here. You only know half the Force, Vader. You perceive its full power as little as a spoon perceives the taste of food. Deep. And then when Darth Vader strikes him down, I don't know how to describe this, but Obi-Wan, like, dissolves into a, a splash of color, like a, a piece of spin art. He doesn't go out serenely. And then afterward, Darth is uh, poking at the robes with his lightsaber like his lightsaber is some sort of stick. It ends with them blasting out of the Death Star. Obi-Wan has successfully disengaged the tractor beam. And we are into the home stretch and ever closer to some new, original Star Wars 70s style. I'll post some of the notable frames on Twitter and uh, issue number five next week. Glad I could uh, finally squeeze out another close to 40 minutes of chat and fun. Thank you to Will. Thank you to my eldest son this week. The uh, little one was wandering around in the background there the whole time. Open my uh, Target, uh, Clone Wars, Obi-Wan, and Anakin this week. They look great. Uh, but checking in on that Ben Solo. No! You win some, you lose some.